This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, one of America's foremost manufacturers of premium knives. Case Knives have been treasured items that have been passed down to my family for generations. So put down the phone, shut off the TV, and go out and get your hands dirty and build something. Keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you're listening to Shaun of the South Live, and that good music you hear behind me right now is Lonesome Days. Lonesome Days, everybody. our mail from our listeners. Clayton Channing of Birmingham, Alabama says, Hi Sean, my mother loves you. If you could just shout out to her, that would be awesome. Her name is Lori, 
She's a classic southern woman. She makes good pimento cheese sandwiches that are world famous. How to do, Lori? This is Sean Dietrich, and I am wishing you many more happy years making pimento cheese. Ron Atkins, Texarkana, Texas. My kid just got his first girlfriend, and he's 11. We had a long talk in the car about how to treat girls and stuff, and I could tell he was listening to his old man for once in his life because he thinks I'm an expert, I think. If he only knew how little I know about women, he would laugh at me. If he only knew how once a girl punched me in the mouth because I told her she looked like her mother. Note to self, never ever compare a girl to her mother. (laughs) Julie Smith, Hannibal, Missouri. Dear Sean, I just went a week without my cell phone because it was broken. And after the first few days, I was having hardcore withdrawals and I started twitching and stuff. Then this whole calm feeling just set in and it was like I was on sedatives. I slept better, I ate better, I was more focused, and I was really more aware of the world around me. And I promised that once the phone got fixed, I would never, ever let it dominate my life again. Two days after it got fixed, I've been on the phone nonstop for 36 hours straight playing games. Gregory Larenbane, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hi, Sean, a Yankee here from Pennsylvania. I've enjoyed your show. Someone told me about you through a church dinner thing at our church. It was an old woman who was from Chipley, Florida, close to your neck of the woods, I think. She cooked chicken and dumplings for us Yankees, and man, they were good. And we were all just sitting and listening to her talk, and I thought you would get a kick out of me telling you that. Wanted to Ron, only Illinois. My husband was cleaning our gutters this week. We do that in the Midwest. And he started to fall off the roof, but his jeans got caught on a roofing nail. And he just hung there for a few hours before I even got home from work. It reminded me of one of your stories. My husband is a complete klutz. I don't even trust him to light a barbecue grill. Feel free to use that story in one of your stories. His name is Jacob. Sydney Allison, Natchez, Mississippi, writes, My son Daniel is going to be playing baseball this year. He's been sick for the past two years with cancer. He's better now, thanks to his incredible doctors and nurses and all the people who've prayed for him. Just want to thank everybody who's prayed for my boy. He's playing second base. Dear Sydney, here's to a good year. Sasha from Columbia and Alabama. Sasha writes, a friend turned me on to your podcast at the first of this year, and now you are my early morning, Monday morning listen. Each week as I make breakfast and I pack lunches for my husband and three kids at 5 a.m. in the morning. You pair well with bulletproof coffee and bleary-eyed teenagers. Jennifer from Ozark, Alabama writes, When I hear your stories, they bring back my Mima to me. They make me laugh and smile like her stories did. Mima was a tough, baby-loving, grease-slinging, pee-picking woman. She went to church on Sundays. She never drank or smoked, but dipped CC snuff. She'd been doing that since she was 12 years old. She lived to be 95. She kept her can of snuff by her recliner till the day she passed. Mima was everything I ever wanted to be. Rena Montgomery, Sacramento, California. Dear Sean, my son and I are two Southerners who are homesick for Little Rock, Arkansas, and we just want to say hi to my parents, Marion and Anthony, who turned me on to your podcast this year. It's our little piece of home each week. Keep up the good work. Dear Rena, thank you for those kind words. Freda Samana, San Antonio, Texas, writes, Don't know how we stumbled onto you, Sean, but just wanted to say that my husband and I are Puerto Ricans who were both born in the South. 
Then we moved to San Antonio for work, and now we're kind of becoming Mexican, since there's a strong Mexican culture here. Actually, it's more Texican, really. But I just want to say the South is much more diverse than people on TV really give it credit for. The TV gets us so wrong. Gracias por tu espectáculo, Sean. Dear Frida, gracias por tus palabras amables. No hay bronca. I don't know what I just said. Eric Pilfer from Columbia, South Carolina writes, My daughter Kaylee is upset because she had a bad, bad haircut. It's a really bad one, let me tell you. The lady who cut her hair must have been on drugs or something. But to make my daughter feel better, I pulled out my photo album from high school. All the pictures from the 80s were enough to make her die laughing. I showed her that there's was an entire decade of bad hair. And we cut our hair that way on purpose. I had a mullet, man. I looked like Billy Ray Cyrus, and we all thought we were so cool back then. So, the moral here is bad hair is all about how you choose to look at it. Dear Derek, that is brilliant wisdom from a father. Myra Mueller, Huntsville, Alabama. My mother Adeline just had her 90th birthday, and we we all gathered in her living room. She got up to make a birthday speech. She raised a glass, and she said, What are all these people doing in my living room? (laughs) Everyone kind of smiled at each other. We didn't know if she was joking or not. And my mom just said, just kidding. I'm not senile yet. So I guess that means you can't steal my money, you greedy little buzzards. (laughs) My mother is a strong and funny woman. She always has been. She's had a great sense of humor my whole life. I feel so proud that she's made it to 90 and in such good health, too. She's the most beautiful person I have ever known. Happy birthday, Mama. Happy birthday from us all. Dear Myra Mueller, happy birthday from everybody here tonight. That's letters from our listeners. Let's have another song from Lonesome Days, Bluegrass Band. Lonesome Days. On this summer day Another passed by Without much to say The morning's here And the evening's gone Say hello to a foggy dawn That's how fast the day Can slip away Hold on To what you're holding Hold on To what you're holding Just when you feel like folding Cause there's nothing left For the showing So easily When you let it drift away Into the sea Hold on To what you're holding Hold on To what you're holding Just when you feel like Folding Cause there's nothing left for a showing Hold on To what you're holding Thank you. 
on the line And let's you grab a hold of the time that we had wine If only we could climb all the walls of time I'd stop the clock so you're forever mine Hold on, what you're holding Hold on, what you're holding Just when you feel like folding Cause there's nothing left for the showing Hold on, what you're holding Well, it is that time of year when the topic of every marital conversation is the honeydew list. You see, during the winter, we can put off and put off and put off and put off what we don't want to do as men. But when it's sunny, when the sun is shining and it is not raining outside, we have absolutely no excuse. And so we'll be eating a fine dinner. And your wife will have opened a beer for you and have set it down next to your plate. Or she will have turned on spring training baseball games. And they're rolling on the television. And right away, your senses are heightened and you know there is something, something gravely wrong. Something gravely, gravely wrong. Most often, most often this has to do with the honey-do list. This list has been accruing all winter long. And now the time has come when you must put on your male hat and do the things that males do. This is the time of year when men exercise their genetic skill, a skill which has been embedded within the coding of their DNA. It's a skill which they've been working on in earnest since the fourth grade. It is the skill of listening and responding without listening or responding. <laughs> a man's wife might say to him, I need you to get out there and move that bird bath to the other corner of the yard, and the gutters are full, and you still hadn't painted that side of the house that is just starting to rot and replaced that rotting piece of the door jam. And a man will listen and he will respond, Mm hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, interesting. Well, we can keep this going for a long time. Usually, when a woman catches on to what's happening, she will say something like, Are you even listening to me? And a man, if he is smart enough, if he is smart enough through, through many, many eons and millennia of selective breeding, a man will have total recall of the last four words that woman said. No more, no less. He can go no further beyond those four words. But, but those four words... They can go a long way. When she says, will you even listen to me? A man will say, of course I was. <laughs> oh, really? Well, what did I say? And a man will say, well, well, well you said uh, to, 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 to move the, the door jam into the birdbath and paint the, the gutter. And this, of course, is when a man will lose the most important piece of his body <laughs> by the hand of his wife who is wielding nothing but a steak knife. 
My Uncle Tommy Lee and my Aunt Lucille, they have these sorts of conversations, especially during the springtime. We watch Uncle Tommy, Tommy Lee, and Aunt Lucille have this conversation, and Aunt Lucille will say something. Tommy Lee is good. He's smart. He's been doing this a long, long time. He's earned every white hair on his head. When she says something or lays down the law in her opinionated, hard fashion, which she does, my, my Aunt Lucille has a voice like a commander in the Third Reich of the Nazi <laughs> army. And Uncle Tommy Lee will look at her and he will nod and he will say, mm-hmm, yes, yes, ma'am. He calls her ma'am. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you, he'll say. And he says it with such conviction, it's beautiful. And he'll wink at me, and that means, take notes, boy. This is how you, you do marriage. <laughs> and so Uncle Tommy Lee will walk outside or, or make himself disappear for a little while. A few weeks ago, Uncle Tommy Lee was being read his honeydew list over breakfast. She had made breakfast. My Aunt Lucille, she had made him... She had made him egg whites and a piece of whole grain toast. And this is torture to a man like my Uncle Tommy Lee. But his cholesterol was high, and so he's eating little strips of freezer-dried turkey bacon, which are half turkey and, and half texturized vegetable protein. She read him this honeydew list, and he said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she said, were you listening to me? And he is an expert. He said, honey, I always listen to you. She said, really? Well, what did I say? And he said, it's not so much what you said, honey. It's, it's how you said it. <laughs> she says, you weren't listening to me at all, were you? He said, of course I was. And I'm about to get on it right now. And before she could even finish talking, he had already stood up and he had walked out the door like he was going to go complete a full day's work. He had no idea what in the hell he was going to be doing. <laughs> but he left to do it just the same. And it must have been good enough for Aunt Lucille because she started to, to scrape his food into the dog bowl and wash the dishes. And, and off he went. Uncle Tom Lee got into his truck. He drove into town because it's a good idea just to, to, to totally fall off the face of the map when Aunt Lucille's after you. And he drove up to the Tom Thumb. He had to do something. So he walked into the Tom Thumb and he, he perused around. He always gets the same sorts of things when he goes into the Tom Thumb. He gets a honey bun. He gets a, a little sack of cashews. And he gets a little sack of peanuts and a bottle of Coca-Cola. And he will pour those peanuts into the Coca-Cola. He'll press his thumb over the mouth of the bottle and turn it upside down so that the peanuts mix with that dark syrup, creating a lunchbox of glory. And he will sip on that Coke and eat his honey bun and maybe some of those cashews. My Uncle Tommy Lee loves cashews. But cashews, you see, are related to the poison ivy plant. And my, my Uncle Tommy Lee is deathly allergic, just like every man in my family, to poison ivy. And once he had tried planting a cashew tree and harvesting the cashews himself and when he broke open the shells which hold the cashew he got that earth oil they call it earth oil all over his body and he broke out and his forearms looked like a Popeye cartoon 
and he was laid up in bed, and Aunt Lucille was bringing him, bringing him food and hot soup, and he was watching TV, and she, she catered to him, and she made him a prince. And we went over to visit him, and he was a sight. And he winked at me with a swollen eye, and he said, I ought to do this more often. That woman is treating me like royalty. <laughs> and then he picked up a bell, which was on his nightstand, and he rang it. And in the doorway, my Aunt Lucille showed up, and she said, what is it? What is it, love? And he said, oh, oh, I'm just so hungry. Oh, she waited on him hand and foot. She was a hard-working woman, and she expected him to be a hard-working man, but Tommy Lee is not a hard-working man. He has a little touch of the Dietrich lazy gene in him, like, like many of us. He has this proclivity toward leisure activities. He likes to finish off each night with a bowl of ice cream, vanilla bean. And one night we were all sitting on his porch eating ice cream, and he was, he was pontificating upon the philosophies of life. And he, he remarked, do you know why scientists say that a grown man likes vanilla ice cream? And he said, because it tastes just like your mama's breast milk. <laughs> he set his bowl on the ground when Aunt Lucille found him on the porch. And she said, what did you just say? And he held his hands up in the air. He said, I saw it on the Learning Channel. <laughs> learning Channel. Another thing Tommy Lee liked to do, he liked to watch TV. He could, he could pass entire days just flipping channels and never landing on one for more than three or four seconds. And, and he knew a little bit about everything because of this, a little bit about everything related to pop culture and sports and current events. He could speak about everything there was to speak on as long as he didn't have to speak on it for more than one minute because that was all he knew about it. He only heard 45-second clips of what the news anchor had to say before he switched the channel to see what the score was between the Braves and the, and the opposing team, which whipped their butts because the Braves are the bottom team in baseball. And he would flip the channel again, and he would get to the Discovery Channel, and he would watch the Sharks swim for Shark Week, and he would flip the channel again and again and again and again, and he knew a little bit. He knew a little bit about everything. He walked into that Tom Thumb. He got his, his usual items, the Coca-Cola in the bottle, peanuts, honey bun, thing of cashews. And then on a whim, he got a lottery ticket. He's been playing the lottery a long time. He used to go play the lottery, Uncle Tommy Lee, on Saturdays. On Saturdays, he would go up to the supermarket where they started selling lottery tickets. He'd walk inside. He would get a lottery ticket. He would, he would let the computer pick the numbers. They always picked the numbers. He didn't have any particular numbers he was fond of, and it took too much work, he said, to choose numbers. So he let the computer pick the numbers. They would print them out on this little white ticket. He would keep this inside his breast pocket. He would wait for them to draw the numbers. He would stay up eating his bowl of ice cream, looking over his reading glasses at that ticket while the television announced the lottery numbers. It was the longest he ever watched a single channel in his life when they drew the lottery numbers. And he never won anything. He never won anything in his life, he used to say. 
He said he'd never won anything of value. He'd never gone anywhere of note. He'd never done anything worth doing. He got a lottery ticket from that Tom Thumb gas station. The computer picked the numbers. He didn't even pay attention to which numbers were picked. He put it in his breast pocket. He went home that night. Aunt Lucille cooked him a decent dinner, a pork chop. He stayed up that night to watch the numbers, but he fell asleep because he ate too much ice cream, and the ice cream affected his blood sugar, and it, it put him straight to sleep. And so the next morning, he woke up in that chair with an empty bowl of ice cream on his chest, and he realized he had forgotten to check the lottery numbers. He had a little breakfast, an egg, egg white omelet, and that godless turkey bacon with a texturized vegetable protein. And then he stood up and he, he left, and then he went to the Tom Thumb and he asked the, the woman behind the cash register to print out the winning lottery numbers if she would. And he matched them against his ticket, and he looked at them both, and he had lost. He had not even come close, not a single number matched. And so he wadded up the ticket, which had his lottery numbers on it, and put it into the trash. And he kept the ticket, which had the winning lottery numbers on it. And he placed that into his shirt pocket. He wasn't even really sure why he did that. He went home that night, and his, his wife, she was saying something, and he said, Mm-hmm, yes, yes ma'am, mm-hmm, interesting. Oh, yes, of course, of course. And she said, Are you even listening to me? I said, Of course I am, of course I am. She said, well, then what did I say? Well, he hadn't really been paying attention, so he made something up, which sounded like the syllables which had entered his ears only a few seconds earlier, and he'd gotten it all wrong. And she hit the ceiling. Aunt Lucille said, you better get outside and mow that lawn like I told you. It is long. A man could get lost in that grass. And so he walked into the bedroom. He removed his shirt. He always wore the same sorts of shirts, a little button-down, short-sleeved shirt, tucked in, tucked in. He removed his shirt so that he was wearing his undershirt, and he hung that shirt on the chair where he'd been hanging his clothes, his dirty clothes, for 45 years. Aunt Lucille would come in, and she would do the laundry. In fact, she said most of her life was wasted doing laundry. Uncle Tommy Lee. He was riding his little, his little John Deere riding lawnmower through the yard, wearing his undershirt and a pair, pair of slacks. He was thinking about things and looking off into the distance at the sky. And Aunt Lucille walked into his bedroom and she saw his shirt hanging there and she sniffed it and it smelled like something which could gag a possum. She emptied the pockets because she'd been emptying pockets ever since she'd washed that $400 check one time. She emptied his pockets and she found a lottery ticket and she, she set it on his dresser. She placed a load of laundry in. She looked at that lottery ticket and a feeling swiped over her and she thought, you know, I might, might check these numbers. He hadn't thrown it away yet. I guess he hadn't checked it. So she, she got under her computer and she checked the lottery numbers and she matched one lottery number up 
and she matched another number up. Every single number on that ticket matched with the winning lottery numbers, and she began to scream. She couldn't help it. Aunt Lucille began to scream so loud that she almost ruptured one of her vocal cords. She said, we're rich, we're rich, we're rich. And she ran outside. She was waving her arms back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And she, she caught Tommy Lee while he was making a pass in the yard. And he said, what is it? What is it, Lucille? She said, we're rich. You won. We're rich. And he hopped off the, the John Deere tractor. He said, what are you talking about? And she said, Tommy Lee, we're rich. We're rich. We've won. We've won the lottery for once in your life. You've done something right. <laughs> and she talked and she yelled and she screamed and she was excited. He'd never seen her this excited. She said, oh, oh my God. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to I'm going to get granite countertops in the kitchen. I'm going to rip up that old linoleum floor and I'm going to replace it with hard wood. Yes, sir. Heart pine, hardwood floors. I'm going to redo our bathroom. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and replace all the fixtures, all the light fixtures, and make it just like Chip and Joanna on HGTV. <laughs> Uncle Tommy Lee just listened to her, and he looked at her, and he, he felt awful low inside, and he did what any man would do in his situation in this, in this instance. He just let her keep on talking. <laughs> she said... Tommy Lee, get up here, get up here. You gotta pack. You gotta pack right now. And so Uncle Tommy Lee played along. He walked inside. He said, Okay, okay. He started packing his bag, his his suitcase. He said, What should I pack for? Should I pack for the mountains or the beach? Or or for for the Bahamas? She said, I don't care where you pack for. Just get out of my house and stay gone. And that is how Uncle Tommy Lee let me see it. Out of the voice. Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich, and it has been a real pleasure. Hope you join us next week. That music here behind me is Lonesome Days. John Miller, Sam Parks, Todd Lillenthal, Jeremy Garrett, and my old college buddy, Bradley Morse, on the bass and vocals. To find out anything more about what they do, you can visit lonesomedays.com. And while you're there, I hope you pick up a copy of their album, The Lonesome Days. I promise it'll be worth it. These guys are something else. To find out anything more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouth.com. And while you're there, hope you take the time to drop me a line because I love to hear from my friends. Send me your messages, send me your mail, send me your birthday announcements, anything you like read over the air. And we will try our best to do it if we get a wild hair caught in an orifice of the body that I shall not mention in front of my friends. And speaking of friends, friends, do a good day's work and be somebody. Adios.